I would like to uh, give you the title of my lesson before we start. Um, it's on free will, foreknowledge, and predestination. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity to be here. Father, you've given us the choice to come and celebrate your feast. And we thank you, Father, for allowing us to attend. And I pray, Father, that the words that I'm about to speak would be uh, edifying and would help people understand some of the principles that you have in your word. I pray that they would hear from you and not from me. And I ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So free will and foreknowledge and predestination are principles of the Bible that we all need to understand. Uh, the definition of free will is first a noun, free and independent choice, a voluntary decision. Number two, the doctrine that the conduct of human beings expresses personal choice and is not simply determined by physical or divine forces. And free will can also be an adjective as in these synonyms, voluntary or spontaneous. The word free will is used 17 times in the Old Testament, and in 16 cases it refers to a free will or a voluntary offering. But in Ezra 7.13, a choice is given to the people who are unable to make a choice to go to Jerusalem or stay in Babylon. And that's in Ezra 7.13. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, to go with thee. Yes. This was the king of the Medes and the Persians making this decree, giving the people a choice. Stay in my kingdom or go back to your homeland. So free will is the power to decide what you will do in certain situations. It is the power to choose. And it was given to man from God. But don't forget that the choices we make can and do have consequences. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So in modern language terms, I can do what I want, but not everything is good for me or for those around me. With the right of free will comes the responsibility to choose wisely. Your choices affect your future and also affect others. In Genesis 3, Verse 5, Adam and Eve had free will. They had the capability of disobedience before they chose to sin. They did not know evil until they sinned and experienced sin. So Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, 
ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they knew only good. But after they sinned, they knew that they had sinned because they had experienced evil in disobeying God. Their eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil. God gives us choices of obedience or disobedience. And along with the choice comes blessings and curses. Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 and 2 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. The opposite is said in Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So God gives us the choice who and how we will serve. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chose wisely. And we have that on a uh, stencil on the wall of our dining room. God gives us the choice between life and death. That's told to us in Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So in all of these verses... God has given Adam kind the ability to choose. We are free to use our will. And there is another term used, and it has to do with the future. And that is the term or principle known as foreknowledge. Foreknowledge is a noun, awareness of something before it happens or exists. It is a term used in theology to denote the foresight of God, that is, his knowledge of the entire course of events which are in the future from the human point of view. 
God's knowledge, according to the scripture, is perfect, that is, omniscient. God watches men's actions, knows their words and deeds, and discloses to some of them the future. So foreknowledge is knowing future events before they happen. Now Mary was given foreknowledge by God when Gabriel appeared to her. In Luke 1, 30-33, the Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Not all of this has taken place yet, but Mary was told this would happen. Paul tells us in Romans that God foreknew his people, the seed promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Romans 11, 2 through 4. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scriptures saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. This is described in 1 Kings 19, verses 9 through 18, where God tells Elijah that there are 7,000 in Israel who have not worshipped Baal. They have not bowed the knee to Baal. Elijah, at this point in his life, was very depressed because he thought he was all alone in serving the Lord. So turning to 1 Kings 19, 18, God tells Elijah, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah did not know these things before God told him. He did not even know who these people were. God chose to tell him to encourage him in his ministry. Peter knows who the elect are because he understood that God, by his foreknowledge, had sanctified them. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. God also foreknew what would happen to Jesus, and Peter tells the people that what they did was by the foreknowledge of God, and that's in Acts 2, 22 through 24. Acts 2, 22 through 24 says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him 
being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Jesus, being God in the flesh, also knew what would happen to him. And many times he told his disciples that the Son of Man would be slain and rise again the third day. So this leads us to predestination. Predestination's definition is, as a noun, number one, the act of predestinating or the condition of being predestined. Number two is in theology, the doctrine that God has for ordained all things, especially that God has elected certain souls to eternal salvation, and B, the divine decree for ordaining all souls to either salvation or damnation, or C, the act of foreordaining all things gone before and to come. In other words, it is knowing ahead of time where you will end up. It differs from foreknowledge and that it is determined by God and can't be changed. Peter, when praising God for the great things he had done, described predestination as this in Acts 4.28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Paul also used these words in 1 Corinthians 2.7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Predestination is and was ordained by God from the beginning. Paul also describes it in these verses in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 1.11 also says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now an inheritance can be a little or a lot, if you are in his will. Will we be in the court of the king? Or will we just be a janitor sweeping the streets of gold in his kingdom? We're all in the kingdom. What's our position there? Predestination is not only a New Testament concept. Abraham was predestined to have a son by Sarah. That's found in Genesis 17, verses 15 through 19. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? 
And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Abraham at first did not believe that this was going to come to pass. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Abraham was given foreknowledge that Sarah would bear him a son because the Lord told him it was predestined to occur. Samson was predestined to start delivering Israel from the Philistines. That's found in Judges 13, 3 through 5. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver out of the hand of the Philistines. Jeremiah was also predestined to be a prophet. That's found in Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, I would like to show you some events where free will, foreknowledge, and predestination were all present. First of all, David is told by God to go up and defeat the Philistines in 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 5. David inquired of God if he should go to battle. And he had to ask twice because his men were afraid to go. David was told they would be delivered into his hand, and he chose to obey, and, and so did his men. This was God's predestination upon the Philistines, that they would be defeated, and David would be victorious. This is found in 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 5. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines, and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistine? David's band was only about 600 men. They were afraid. God's first answer wasn't good enough for them. It wasn't firm enough or to the point. Then David inquired of the Lord yet again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. I will deliver. It's a promise. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. David obeyed God. Now in the second part of this story, David asked if Saul would come and if the people would give him to Saul. And the answer is yes to both questions. 
God is showing David what would come to pass if he stayed. And this is God's foreknowledge given to David. 1 Samuel 23, 6 through 13. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. This was a, a, a garment of the priests. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. Keilah was a fenced city, a walled city. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. Saul thought he'd get rid of this rebel king and his men once and for all. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Keilah, and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbear to go forth. God can see the future, and he can also see alternative futures based on our free will decisions, the decisions of his people. God showed David what would happen if he stayed. The future changed based on David's wise decision to flee. And because David fled, Saul did not go to Keilah to besiege it. And the people of Keilah did not have the opportunity then to turn David over to Saul. That was foreknowledge. It was not predestination. So we have the ability to change our futures, just as on this example if we choose wisely. In this case, the foreknowledge that David had did not, it, it changed the outcome. It did not mean that he was destined to meet his end there in Saul's siege of Keilah. Now Saul, on the other hand, had disobeyed God often and had sought David's life multiple times. The choices he made during his reign led to this event in 1 Samuel 28, verses 7 through 19. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. 
And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest that, that Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. Small g, these are spirits, ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Samuel was in Abraham's bosom in hell, awaiting redemption. And this witch called the spirit of Samuel up out of that place to communicate with, with Saul. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy? The Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyedest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Saul had been disobeying God for a long time. He reigned 40 years, and he probably disobeyed God for 30 of those 40 years. And he was chasing David for probably 20 of those years. And the reality of the, his bad decisions hits him right in the face at this point, knowing that tomorrow he will be dead. And that he will be going to hell, to Abraham's bosom with Samuel. Because Saul chose to disobey repeatedly by his own free will, he was given the foreknowledge of the next day's battle by the spirit of Samuel, the realization that God had ordained these events. The judgment was just not on him, but on his sons and the army of Israel.
And it was predestined that David would become king. Remember, David had been anointed as a very young man by Samuel after Saul had disobeyed. And Saul spent the majority of his reign fighting this decision. There's another example I'd like to look at, and that's the example that Micaiah, the prophet, provided foreknowledge to Ahab. That's in 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramath-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth the Spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him. And prevail also, go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. This is one of the few examples given in the Bible where you can actually see into the throne room of God. The other example is given in Job. And... In the unseen realm, or in the spiritual world, God has servants, like angels, that are created but immortal. Only God is uncreated and immortal. And one of these spirits, or angels, presenting himself before God, says, I know how to trick Ahab into going to his destruction. I'm going to be a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. Micaiah was the only one that was a prophet of the Lord present there. So it's wise not to always go with the majority opinion. It was determined by God that Ahab would fall in battle at Ramath-Gilead. And one of his heavenly servants tricked Ahab by being a lie in the voice of his prophets. Ahab had multiple occurrences to repent, and he never did. So by his free will and previous wicked choices, God ordained his destruction. So here's another example of foreknowledge and predestination, and this has to do with Peter. Peter is told that he would deny knowing Jesus, but he was also told that he would be converted. That's in Luke 22, 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Peter was the bold one. He could speak rashly. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock 
shall crow this day before that thou shalt thrice, three times, deny that thou knowest me. Continuing the story in Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Then they took him and led him and brought him unto the high priest. This is Jesus. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Second denial. Okay. And about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly because he realized what he had done. Jesus had predestinated that Peter would be converted, and it took this to convert Peter, truly convert him. Even though Peter had free will and the foreknowledge of these events, his unconverted heart led him to deny his Lord and Savior. He did not choose wisely. And when this realization came to him, he repented in tears of bitterness, and Peter became a new man in Christ. The greatest example of free will, foreknowledge, and predestination is the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At the age of 12, Jesus decided to stay in Jerusalem after the Passover. And when Joseph and Mary found him, he said, in Luke 2.49, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Mm-hmm. Jesus knew at a young age what his mission was. And John the Baptist also knew the mission of Jesus because he was the one preparing the way of the Lord. Both had foreknowledge of their futures. In John 3.30, John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. In Matthew 3, 13 through 15, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it not to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus had to remind John of what his duty was. Then he suffered him. John baptized Jesus, and his ministry gradually came to an end as Jesus' mission began. 
And throughout his ministry, Jesus repeatedly told his disciples that he would die and rise again. In Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So starting with Matthew 16, 21, also Matthew 17, 23 and 2019, Mark 8, 31, 9, 31 and 10, 34, Luke 9:22 and 18:33 and all of these verses Jesus said that he would be scourged, crucified and killed but would rise again on the third day. And all of this came to pass at Passover. But before this happened, Jesus surrendered his free will, the free will that he had as a man in human flesh. To God his Father. And that is found in Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And in Matthew 26, 42. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. It's also repeated in Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And in Luke twenty two forty two, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus yielded his will to his Father with the foreknowledge of what was coming. He submitted to the abuse of evil men that his mission would be completed. He knew the destination he would arrive at, resurrection into a glorious resurrected body and the redemption of his people, and Paul tells us what God did for us in Romans 8, 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. In these verses, there is an order or sequence. He foreknew, he predestinated, he conformed to the image of Christ, he called, he justified, and he will glorify. All because he foreknew us. Those who, by their own free will, deny Christ, he foreknew and predestinated to judgment. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Amen.